Name brand music productions in this motherfucker. There you go, there you go. There you go. Huh. We all about to find a thing. All about them designer things. I don't need no money, I got mouthpiece, my nigga. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I'm hot, I feel like pot. Praises to the most high. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Term might be easy <laughs> on a Tuesday afternoon in San Diego, California, America's finest, doing what we always do, bringing you that top shelf sports analysis. And as always, we're going to give it to you sugar-free, sugar free, baby. Sugar-free. I'm laughing because we've been arguing big time off the air. We don't agree on nothing. Yeah, and that's that's fine by me. Brandon is... As you know, I, I got on a, a hard hat because I don't want to get struck by lightning because Brandon is blaspheming in here talking about Shohei Otani is greater than Babe Ruth. I said, like, you got to be out of your mother humping mind. I never made that statement the okay. entire time. Okay, what did you say? I said that no one has ever had a single season where they were dominating both sides of the ball the way this guy is right now, is what I said. And I said, and I got the stats to prove it. Okay. Well, I said Babe Ruth was either dominant as a pitcher or dominant as a hitter. Never really both at the same time okay. in the same season. And he nev- definitely wasn't leading st- in stolen bases. No, no. He got caught stealing almost as much as he stole. So, so it's not even close, in my opinion. Okay. Like, look, when I was looking at his numbers, his first season in Boston. He played five games, no home runs, 10 at-bats. Second season, they played 42 games. He had 92 at-bats, hit four home runs. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. How many – what, what season is Otani at right now in the league? How his long? Third. His third. His third season. Okay, so let's go to Babe Ruth's third season and see what, we did, what he did, shall we? He played 67 games, had 136 at-bats, Mm-hmm. 37 hits. How many home runs? Three. Okay. Three. Yeah, that was in an era when nobody hit home runs. When he started hitting home runs, he made the home run a part of baseball. He created the home run. Okay. So, when he hit in 1918, when he hit 11 home runs, that led baseball. That's crazy. That led. You got to put it in context. That led, when he hit 29, the next year, he hit more than most teams in, uh, in baseball. The next year, he had 432 at-bats. This is 1919. He's his last year in Boston, his mm-hmm. sixth season in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is how much he improved. He had, he had, and he had way more at-bats, though, because you heard what I said. He had 432 at-bats, mm-hmm. right? He had 172 hits, and he had... Yeah, 172 hits. He had 36 doubles, nine triples, and he hit 54 home runs in one season. Yeah. Okay? So that's how much he improved. But he had way more at-bats because there was just more games. 
more games played. Because that sixth season in 1919, he played 130 games. The season that he hit 29 home runs, the season before, they played 12 less games. He only played 130 games. And the season before that, they only played 95. He only played 95 games. So the Because amount, he was primarily a pitcher. Right. That's right. So, but when you look at games played, at bats and the results. Okay, now the very next year he goes to the Yankees. That's when he hit the fifty-four home runs in nineteen twenty. Oh, so okay, so it's last year he hit twenty-nine. Mm-hmm. I had it mixed up. Let me put something right here so I can get get my line. Okay, so first year with the Yankees he had four hundred and fifty-eight at bats. He had one hundred and seventy-two hits, thirty-six doubles, nine triples, and fifty-four. Homers. So that's what he did as a Yankee his first year. Next year, he has 693 at-bats. He has 204 hits, 44 doubles, 16 triples, mm-hmm. and 59 home runs. Yeah, that's insane. That's stupid. That's insane. That's stupid. That's insane. In any era. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely. But listen to this. His own base percentage in 1920 was 532. 532. He slugged 847. Nobody does that. Nobody. Nobody. 1300 OPS. Basically in his first full season as an outfielder. Right, but see that's the difference. He's not pitching at this at this time. Yeah. That would be the difference. So, like, if he's dominating from the mound at that same time, to me, that's what Otani's doing. But that's Otani's the not to what putting Otani's up doing. nowhere near those numbers, and he never will. Well, he, he never will. He might get to 50-something. What's he got, 35? I'm not talking about home runs. I'm talking about the other numbers. 532 on-base percentage. Nobody's ever going to do that. 847, because everybody just strikes out 150 times, minimum. 1300, almost 1400 OPS. I think the only person that may be close to that would be like, you know, like who don't swing a bad pitcher, like Barry Bonds or like. Uh, and Barry Bonds or is Ken best Griffey season. Jr. And Barry Bonds' best season because that's the only person you can get close. Who can get close? His best years, because this was late. Okay. Who we? Barry Bonds in 2002. Because Barry was a monster. In 2002, he had a 582 on base percentage. Slugged 799. Yep, and his OPS was 1381. Damn. Yeah, I mean, it it was ridiculous. 515 in 2001 on base percentage. Oh, my goodness. 863 slugging. Oh, let me tell y'all something. Ain't enough steroids in the world. Nope. Because that's not going to boost your hand-eye coordination. Nope. I don't care if you Hercules at the plate if you swinging at bad pitches. Barry Bonds' on-base percentage for his career was 444. Damn. For his career. That's impossible. That's, that's better than a video game. For his career, 444. His slugging, 607 and OPS 1051. For his career? For his career. Damn. Man, you know how many people wish they could just do that in a season? Yeah, Barry Bonds. To do that for your whole shot? Barry Bonds, even, okay, pre-steroid Barry Bonds. 
pre-steroid Barry Bonds. Do you really feel like Barry Bonds was ever like on? I don't think he was ever on steroids. Well, human growth hormone or whatever it is, none of that makes it don't gives matter. you a better eye. It don't matter to me. Because not only that, okay, let's take this into consideration as well. The pitchers were on steroids too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and most of the, Where other it matters guys in the more. League. Where it yeah. matters more. So why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? That's ridiculous. But anyway, we've gone off track. Racism. So go ahead. Go ahead with your Shohei Otani stuff. Oh yeah, Shohei, man. Balling. Like I'm saying, what he's doing is great, but, you know, there have been other great guys. The issue is what he's doing is almost unprecedented. It is unprecedented. And and they won't promote him still, really. Like, we're talking about the fact that he's not being promoted. That's the only promotion he's getting. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, if he was playing for the Dodgers, the Yankees— Boston, the Cubs, hell, the uh, that you wouldn't be hearing about nobody else. Yeah, every and every single one of his games would be on the air, and they would have cutaways to all his at bats. Exactly, exactly. So we haven't quite, or to all his strikeouts. Yeah, we haven't quite got to that point yet, but I think we might be approaching it. We might be approaching it, but I mean, there's always disparities. I mean, we could go on and on about. Uh, but his story is even greater than his performance. Yeah, it is. And well, his story is probably part of the whole the whole thing. It's like you know, like people have have said, if he wasn't Japanese, if he was somebody else, we don't even have to say who. It'd be an altogether different narrative being woven around what he's what he's accomplished. So it's 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 insane, but I mean, if we just just speak on what he's doing on merit alone, it's 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 crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. It's insane, you know. And that's just supreme athleticism. And the thing is, you got to have people. What he's what he is is a a mold breaker, a game changer. Game changer. That's what he is, you know. So what we've had is. You know, over 100 years of a certain tradition in baseball where you basically specialize. There have always been guys around who had the capabilities of, of being both on, on both sides. Could, you know, usually those guys end up becoming shortstops or, or outfielders or something like that where their athleticism gets utilized. You know, if they're a great hitter, say, OK, we're not going to we're not going to waste him pitching. He's too good as an everyday player. So we're going to focus on him being an everyday player, take him off the mound. You want to know what I would love to see, Dad? I would love to see guys get to play other positions when they're not pitching. So in other words, if I'm not pitching today and I can play well, center, now, center field because I'm a great out athlete, yeah. then the days that I'm not pitching, put me out there. Well, or put me at shortstop if I'm not pitching. Yeah. So that I can still be playing every day. Yeah, but see, it was always the risk of injury that precluded that. There's nothing that you can do to reduce injury in, in sports. And playing less does not reduce injury. It actually increases the probability. But still, if you're especially at a, at a position like shortstop, you're out there, you're in the middle of turning double plays and things of that nature, the, the, the exposure is so much higher. The thing about Otani is they could put him at DH, you know, and take advantage of his skills as a hitter and not risk any injury out in the field. He doesn't, the only time he might have a potential injury exposure is running the bases. That's basically it. 
you know, so I understand that you know, trying to minimize the exposures that could lead to injury. I understand the the um, the philosophy behind that. So I don't I don't necessarily have any argument with that. What I do have an argument with is denying individuals the opportunity to showcase their talent. If they have it, it's like you've got a it, it takes a unique situation, just like when um, Will Chamberlain led the NBA with 50 points a game when he scored 50 points a game. Um, that was a unique situation. If he had been on another team, if he had been on the Boston Celtics, he never would have averaged 50 points a game because he's got, you know, six or seven capable teammates playing with him. But when you're unique, you're a unique talent in a unique situation. That's when these type of these type of opportunities present themselves for you to do unprecedented things. So it takes a a, a, a convergence of special circumstances for these things to happen. And all, I say all that to underline the point that there have been people who had the skill sets, potentially at least, to do some of the things that Otani is doing. They just didn't have the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, the man got 100 strikeouts already. Already didn't stole, what, over 12 bases. Um, 33 home runs. He's first in, R in home runs, third in RBIs, and second in OPS in the league. Yeah. Yeah, but and he's that, batting almost three hundred. What's he hitting? He's hitting two eighty right now. Okay, he's up. You know, and that's basically what he's hit for his career. So yeah. he's hitting around he, what his average. Yeah, yeah, he's hitting his career average right now. So, and I think he may just be scratching the surface. Yeah, I think he's actually going to improve over the next three seasons. Mm -hmm. And so then we'll really get to see what he does. Well, he's just entering his prime because. When we're looking at Babe's numbers, he didn't really like get cracking until his sixth season. Mm -hmm. So like sixth season through eleventh season was was the meat of his stats. And it's also his physical prime, you know. So we'll see what Otani does in the next. Because you, you think about nineteen twenty in nineteen twenty, Babe Ruth was turning twenty five in nineteen twenty. So he's he's entering not only. He's entering his physical prime, and also he's got six years of experience under his belt. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's the perfect timing. Like I yeah. said, it's a special convergence of circumstance that creates these things. So when you have talent and opportunity, you know, come together, that's when special things happen. And it doesn't matter who it is. So when you have that convergence of circumstance that, that leads to this, that's when special things happen. Agree. Can't argue with that. All right, let's talk about this raggedy-ass men's USA basketball team. Let me say this real quick before you get into it, because I laugh because it's true. <laughs> okay, Perk says, Perk, who I usually don't agree with, but he's right about this because this is a Stevie Wonder observation. He said, he said Team USA can't guard a parked car. It's ridiculous. It's, it, the defense was absolutely horrible. It was non-existent. You know, it's just horrible. And the offense is almost as bad. I thought it was the Portland Trailblazers out there. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that they're getting beat. And this is it's not unusual for them. You know, it takes them a while to get their act together. But think about it. Besides Draymond Green on the team, who you looking at as like a – and Bam Adebayo. Okay. Who you looking at as like a great defender? I can't think – well, No K damn body. Well, KD. KD's a good defender when he want to be. But how many times did you see him – Run somebody down to the basket and then not even contest the shot. 
Yeah, well, the effort the effort hasn't been there. It's like guys are just like kind of getting their legs underneath them and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and figuring out they're you know, not even, how the, the fit on the team. You know who needs to do what, how they're gonna how they're gonna approach this. They're at a deficit in terms of team composition and and and, uh, and team continuity. And those are those are things that have always been there against the United States in international competition. Okay, Dad, do you feel like the team was constructed well chemistry wise? I don't know about chemistry. Even once the guys who are missing are there. Once Devin Booker's there, once Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are there, like those guys, once they're there, do you still think that the team was well-constructed in terms of having the right pieces and chemistry to, you know, to actually go out there and compete and be a complete team? Honestly, I can't answer that. You know, all I can look at is, is functionally if I think that it's a good it's a good construct good construction in terms of the team. And to answer that question, I say no. I don't think they have enough um they don't have enough role players on that team. Guys who are willing to do the dirty work. I mean once once Chris and, and Drew get there, they've got guys who, who have those qualities. You know, those guys who don't mind, you know, doing the dirty work. And Bam Bam is there too, so they'll have three guys, you know, out of the twelve who have those qualities, and I think the team will come together a whole lot better once the and oh, and of course, Draymond. All I know is if I was constructing this team, I would have had to put like a Marcus Smart on the team. Like you need somebody like that. Yeah, but on they, the team they got guys like I said who have similar makeups and 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 better skill sets overall. Like you know, like Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday can do all the things that Marcus Smart does plus. No, he doesn't bring to the team every game and every night what a guy like Marcus Smart brings, which is toughness, hustle. Drew Holiday don't play hard all the time. He picks and chooses when he wants to play hard. And that's one of my knocks against him. Like if he if he brought that energy every day, like I'm going to come out here and I'm going to set the tone. They would be a the Bucks would be a completely different team. Yeah, but this is a different circumstance. I'm saying the role that he would play on this particular team because he doesn't have to score is going to be the Marcus Smart type of he's role. He's not even bringing that intensity on defense every night, even when he don't have to score. He yeah. doesn't have that mentality. Like that's what I mean. You need a guy like Marcus Smart where it's guaranteed. You know he's going to do that because that's what he do, and he's gotten his skills up to a level. To where he has the skills to go with that mentality. See, before he always looked at himself like that, but he couldn't shoot the ball well enough. He couldn't handle the ball well well enough. He couldn't create for other guys well enough. He's improved in all of those areas now, and he knows how to pick his spots. So if you put him out there on a team full of superstars, he's going to do all that dirty work. He's going to get to every loose ball. He's going to take those charges on defense. None of the things that you're seeing now from the guys who are out there. And Drew Holiday, he's not going to bring that level of intensity every single game. Well, I disagree. I think he would because it's a short, it's a sprint. It's not a marathon. The NBA season's a marathon. This is a sprint. You know, you got to focus for what, 10 or 12 games or whatever the heck it is. It's not that many games. So, and I think he could. And for him, it would be a relief. It would be a relief, you know, be, from the role that he's had to play. So he can kind of get back to basics. And I think this, you know, when these guys play international basketball, it gives them an opportunity to perform in different roles than they typically do. And I think that's a, it's a kind of a mental break for them. 
And I, and, and I think it's kind of a um, kind of like a refuel for them. It's like, okay, I've gotten back to basics from when I first started playing basketball, and I wasn't always the man on my team. Oh, I just think I agree with the la- the latter statement, but completely disagree with the Drew Holiday statement because what his track record shows is that the more talent you put around him, the less he does. So if you put him on a team full of stars, like you know, basically what you have with the USA Basketball, you're just not going to solicit the response that you hope for. Marcus Smart is the same regardless. It's guaranteed. You know what he's going to do every game. You don't know what you're going to get from Drew Holiday from game to game. I think we'll, we'll see. I disagree. We look just at him disagree at, on Just look this. at him in the NBA at home versus on the road. It ain't even close to being the same player. Same with Chris Middleton. You never know what you got going to get from those guys. Giannis is going to be Giannis every night. Exactly. Is anybody else going to show up? It's always a question. Yeah, because you never Giannis, know. Because Giannis is still plugged into what he came into the league as. He 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 can only he only has one mentality go full tilt every game every time, you know the same as Russell Westbrook acts like he's an immigrant, you know because he plays immigrant immigrant mentality he plays hard every single game every single minute. You could uh, you could um, you could question, but that's his identity as a player. That's what I'm saying. They don't have those guys on the team. You need more guys like that on the team. What I'm saying is you have an opportunity to be a different guy. Well, in, no, in this hell setting. no. That is the that is the no. That is the absolute ass backwards mentality. You don't get a guy and put new expectations on him and hope that he'll meet the expectations. No, you go get a guy who is what you no, need to fill the role. What I'm saying is it's not new. This is something that's been there all along. They ain't been doing it. It's they just not been at the forefront because this format is different. That's what I keep telling you. It's not the same. Well, watch and see if this works out for you. Okay. I'm telling you right now, it is not going to work out for all you. All right, watch and see. Those guys are not going to come in and just all of a sudden be different guys. It's not about to happen. They don't have because to. we're already seeing it with the guys who were there. I'm telling they're doing, you. They're all doing the same mess that they do when they during the NBA season. Damian Lillard ain't playing no damn defense and jacking up a bunch of threes. Bam Adebayo's out there D'ing up everything and not getting no shots. Bradley Bill is out there going to the basket and shooting threes and not playing no defense either. The same guys that you see all season. So when Drew Holiday come and Chris Middleton come, they're going to be the same guys you've seen all season like everybody else. All right, we'll see. They ain't about to be different guys all of a sudden. We will see. Just like when the Dream Team came. Everybody was who they always were. Nobody was playing different roles. They got guys who fit the roles that needed to be filled because it's who they were. Charles Barkley was Charles Barkley. Same style of play that he plays in the NBA, he was playing in the NBA. Same with Jordan. Same with Carl Malone. Same with Magic Johnson. Even all the way down to Chris Mullen. Nobody is being asked to do something that they have never done. Yeah, they are. They're asked not to be the, the, the lead guy on their team. It doesn't matter about who's leading the team. It doesn't matter about that. You got a team full of leaders. I'm talking about how we are going to play and how we function on the court together. And do we have the skill sets to be a complete team? That team had all the skill sets necessary. They had the dominant big man. They had the skill, the snipers. They had the, the, the assassins like Jordan. They had the lockdown defenders like Scottie Pippen and Mike out there. They had the bomb best power forwards in the league with Carl Malone and, and Charles Barkley. 
They had everything that they needed. This team is not constructed that way. And so when you're trying to put expectations on these guys to do something that they've never done on the fly, it's not going to work out. I'm telling you it's not. All right. We just completely disagree. Y'all going to see it ain't looking good for USA basketball. I mean, it's so early. Come on. It's a bunch of ISO. Listen, isolate. What, what have we seen from like James Harden led teams and, you know, uh, who else does a bunch of ISO like uh, Portland and those teams that can never get over the hump? It never works against teams that know how to play basketball. A good team scheme where they're not running a bunch of ISO. They're running great set plays. Everybody's getting to touch the ball. Good player movement, good ball movement. They always beat isolation teams. That's why Golden State's been successful because they got guys who could play like that, but they play in a team scheme. So it makes them even harder to defend, just like when the Bulls instituted the triangle. So it's like that's never going to work. That's why you got all these great one-on-one guys, but you're losing to Nigeria. You're losing to Australia, Australia, who didn't even have Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons had been out there locking people down, it would have been a blowout. It's not going to change because we add a couple of perimeter defenders out and on-ball defenders out there who don't always play well from game to game, who are incredibly inconsistent. And we're not running no plays. We're we're not running no pick and roll. We're just doing a bunch of ISO with guys standing around on the three-point line. So nobody's in position to get an offensive rebound. We can't get back in transition, and we're playing transition defense the entire time. Meanwhile, the other team is full-court pressuring off of made baskets. So by the time you even get the ball across half-court, if you're getting the ball across half-court, because there's a couple times Bradley Bill couldn't even get the ball across half-court. Now you only got, what, 12 seconds left on the shot clock? Before you can even get into anything? And so we're just going to run another ISO because we, you know, we can't get into anything. Okay, so based on all this junk you just talked, the USA don't have no chance of winning gold. I'm not trying to say they don't have no chance. I'm just saying they better do something different than what they've been doing. You got to stop doing all this ISO. Hell, at least run pick and roll. I, did, I didn't see a pick and roll between Bam Adebayo and Kevin Durant the entire night. Which and that's what Bam do. Mm-hmm. That's what KD do. Hell, even if the coach don't say nothing, y'all should just run that. Well, it's hard to believe that they have the coaching staff that they have and they can't figure it out. They got one of the best coaches that they got Villanova's head coach out there. They got Pop. They got Coach K. Come on. So you have to you have to figure that they're going to make the necessary adjustments that they need to make in order to do what they need to do ultimately. But Dad, until we even figure out what we're doing, we can't run pick and roll. Basketball ain't freaking rocket science. They know what they're not doing. We can't make a backdoor cut. Without they know the coach that. Designing they it? know that. They've played two games against two teams they should have blown out. Let's see what happens. We can't do an off-ball screen to get a guy a decent look? Whatever. I'm done talking about it. Let's move on to something else. It's just ridiculous. I had to turn off the game. It was that bad. All right. Patty Mills out there looking like Manu Ginobili or somebody. What's happening tomorrow in the finals? I think... Well, hopefully, let me just say this. Adam Silva should make it so that Scott Foster can't never be on no Chris Paul game. 
He should never be able to officiate a Chris Paul game ever, especially if it's in the damn finals. Why? Because he has it in for Chris Paul. They have a personal issue. And every time he's uh, coaching a Chris Paul team, he makes all these bogus calls against his team. Remember when we were watching the game and we were like, how could you call that a, a, a block? That's clearly a charge. Mm-hmm. Or how could who was making all of those calls? I wasn't Scott even, Foster. I wasn't even paying attention to who was making the calls. Yeah. I just knew they were bad calls. I, I mean, was, we talk about because this, it's always him. We talk, and well, I'm sure, I'm sure that Phoenix has talked to the league about oh, it. Oh, they did. Chris Paul, and, and this is this is this is going back, Dad. This isn't a new issue. This is going back to Clipper. Chris Paul had a meeting with the officials as the head of the Players Player Association, Association mm-hmm. to to uh, to. Officially and specifically complain about Scott Foster's officiating against him specifically, mm-hmm. and and it, they put him through an entire investigation. He was ultimately like cleared, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Yeah. So in other words, they did. They chose not to hold him responsible. But ever since then, he's had an added grudge against Chris Paul. But knowing that that's the history and that precedence has already been set, why would you ever put him on a game exactly. to officiate? Exactly. That, that, to me, that shows some type of collusion from the league. It's like, come on, why would you ever jeopardize a guy like that when he's up 2-0? It's like, you, it's like that's your way of saying we wanted the Bucks to be able to win a game. So we put Scott Foster on their first home game. So now they're back at home and they got to overcome the officials. Well... In spite of all that, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but really, obviously, the reason why they lost the game, Phoenix lose, loses the game, is because um, DeAndre Ayton got in foul trouble. But why was he in foul trouble? That's, okay. It all works together. Scott Foster out there calling all them fouls on him. It's, it is, you can look up the stats. They say that Scott Foster calls makes calls almost twice as often as every other official in the league. Mm. And they're bad calls. He makes more calls with no view of the play or an obstructed view of the play, meaning there's no way that he could have possibly seen the play because he was out of position, yet he still blew the whistle and made another bad call. Nobody does this in the NBA more than him. He's by far the worst official in the NBA. He should, with that record, how could you even possibly be on Why a head official yeah. or even be the head official on an NBA game, it should never on NBA happen. finals game? It should never happen. It should never happen. That's on Silva's head. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, it's and he tr- needs to rectify the, it. The reason why I'm not even trying to pursue this is because we've talked about it too often. We've but talk- not him specifically. No, no. We talked a, about yeah. poor officiating. Yeah. But there's a lot of good officials. Like the first two games were officiated fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. You know, it was very even. There were some discrepancies on both sides, but it was consistent in terms of what was called and how it was called. We're watching the, the game, and Dad said, well, I think they're letting them play. And I said, no, they're only letting them play when Milwaukee got the ball on offense. On defense, you're hearing a whistle damn near every time down the floor. So they're completely taking Phoenix out of the game with the officiating. So I think that is why Monty sat those guys. He said, I'm not going to waste another minute with y'all on the floor because I see what's at play. 
And he publicly complained about it and, and, and did not try to hide from this issue. Yeah, I think the thing is, that's an issue. And this is all I'm going to say about it. I think it's an issue when I say it officiating an NBA is something they absolutely positively need to address because it's impacting the product on the floor. Tremendously. And also, too, you know, it, 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 it feeds conspiracy theories, you know, about the league having an agenda as it relates to certain teams. Now, that may well be, you know, it may be something that's well beyond just a conspiracy theory. However, you don't want to do anything, when I say you, I mean the league, shouldn't want to do anything that even remotely adds to that narrative that there are contrived outcomes in these in these contests. You just can't have that because that destroys the very spirit and nature of sport. You know, it's supposed to be one of the few areas in life that's a true meritocracy where the best prevail. Well, and Chris Paul even said, man, if I was a betting man, 11 in a row, He said it three times. He said, if I was a betting man, 11 in a row. So what the hell does that mean? He's saying, I've played 11 um, Scott Foster officiated playoff games in a row and mm. lost all of them. Oh, okay. 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 And he's in a position, you know. But there was one game that Scott Foster officiated a Chris Paul team and they won, but it was a game that Chris Paul missed due to the protocol. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why they won that game. Um, and even though they won that game, there was an, an there was still a, an egregious uh, Scott Foster call at the end of the game. It just happened to swing in the favor of the Suns. So it was just, it's just, it's just so crazy. Like even in the one that they won, Chris Paul didn't play. And he still made an egregious call at the end of the game that swung the, the fate of the game. So it's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. And it's definitely a thing. This one is undeniable. The league can't run from this. This is only going to get worse if they don't put a stop to it. I would nip it in the bud. I would be like, dude, you ain't officiate no more of his games, point blank, period. Then there's no issue. Yeah, because who gives a fuck about Scott Foster? Exactly. That's what, yeah. that's what Shannon says. Shannon says, Scott, nobody is here to see you. Stop trying to make the game about you. Nobody's paying money to see you. No, nobody. And I Sit your ass down. You know, and I use that harsh, profane language because it's freaking ridiculous. We got to stop this nonsense, whether it's professional baseball Football, whatever it is, I don't care if it's, if it's middle school basketball. If you got idiot officials, you need to get rid of them. It's just that simple. Get somebody who's competent. Um, oh, Dad, your boy uh, Jokovic won Wimbledon. Jokic. Yeah. Whatever his name. Jokic. <laughs> now, I love him. Mm -hmm. I can't never know, know how to pronounce his name right. But I don't think I enjoy watching anybody else play more than him. Okay. Um, and I knew Federer, he was going to win because once Federer got knocked off by a nobody, I was like, well, hell, there's nobody left to beat him. Mm -hmm. So it was just a done deal. But, man, still, to watch him play is just. So now he done tied Nadal and Federer for most Grand Slam wins all time. 20, they all tied at 20. Yeah. So until one of them beat one each other again, because Nadal got an injury that he's uh, coming back from right now. So he could. You were right with Jokovic. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's Jokovic? Yeah. That's how you say it? I yeah. that, okay, so I finally got it right. For yeah, once. finally. 
See, now you're trying to set me back, Dad. I'm That's finally, okay. finally improved. Now I feel all right. You had me feeling remedial. All right. Um, yeah, but those are th- three of the, the greatest of all time. And I'm so glad that that one chick lost. I hate to say that on, on air, but I was rooting against her. I wanted the, other, I wanted the underdog to win in that situation. Because I, I can't stand like when, they, when, you, when I see a player where I feel like, oh, they're trying to make this person the next person before they've earned it. Mm-hmm. And I hate when there's somebody out there who's killing that they won't give no, no shine to. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Those are the two things that I can't stand in sports. That's why I feel like I feel about the Otani thing. And that's why I was rooting against her in the finals. I, okay. I can't even think of the girl's name, but y'all Pe- know who I'm talking about. Pekovic. Yeah, I was rooting against her. I want that other girl. I said, I don't care who she's playing. I want them to win. Well, it was the, nobody. I never wanted anybody to lose more in women's tennis than Maria Sharapova. <laughs> I know because, yeah. oh, that's a, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Serena out here killing everybody and deserve all to shine. And they want to give this woman more money. And more exposure and press and all that stuff. And she ain't even out here doing what Serena doing. No. F-O-H. No. Yeah. All right. What about, um, you wanted to talk about the home run derby too. Oh, man. That home run derby. Okay. Let me, I, I, I got mixed emotions about it because on one hand, the format was raggedy as hell. I hate the format. It was ahead. raggedy as hell. It should be whoever hits the most home runs advances, damn it. Funk all this. Well, I was up against this guy, and he hit more runs than me, home runs than me this round. But I was still like fourth best overall. Yeah, total home runs. Home yeah. runs. That means I'm supposed to advance. So the guy who won didn't even have to compete against the best hitters. Yeah, but it still was a tight contest at the end. But you know what I'm saying? There was somebody else who might have made it tighter. Oh, uh, like or might have made it harder against them. Like Juan Soto. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't see it, but I, you know, I saw they obviously saw. No, the old boy from the Royals that got eliminated was the oh, one that should have been Perez. Mm-hmm. He should have been at least in the second round. Yeah, he hit like twenty four home runs in the NFL. Yeah, and and Snow was his name. Snow, uh, what's the dude's name from Colorado that was there? Story. Story. I knew it was an S name. Story advanced with twenty. Now, how is that fair? Yeah, the format needs some tweaking. It was raggedy as hell, but the performances were awesome. Yeah. Awesome. From what I understand, it was an awesome. I mean, you had to figure it would be because Coors Field with those guys, you knew it was going to be some some stuff going on. So, Dad, I'm watching the home run derby. I'm looking at it. How the hell you at the game for a home run derby and ain't got no glove? Everybody in the stands should have a glove unless you behind the plate. Yeah. I'm seeing people out there holding hats out, trying to catch the ball barehanded. I said, you knew you was going to the home run derby. Everything leaving the park. Yep. You got a better chance of catching a ball today than any day ever. Yep, in your whole life. And you ain't got no glove? I thought that was just, like, retarded. (laughs) Christy was like, only you would think it's a mess like that. Watching the game, watching yeah. the home run derby. Yeah, I was kind of upset that I missed it because I was um, well, planning I, to watch it. I got it on tape if you want to see it. Well, and I ended up, uh, what time did it come on? Just It was on in the evening. Uh, I was watching it like 5.30, 6, okay, something I like that. I wasn't home yet. I had to, um, one of the kids had a doctor's appointment. So oh, okay. I wasn't even home and I had to go because Elena was working, but. 
I wanted to see it and I knew that I could watch it later and I I had um, really wanted to watch it without knowing any of the outcomes but of course with notifications on your phone whether you want to see it or not you're going to see and it honestly so. notification or not it, it, it's it's not visceral no you it's gotta not see the same. a home run derby yeah. So I, I'm sorry I missed it because I heard it was from one of the all-time greats. So one of the best I've seen in years, I'll say that. Yeah. I don't know if it's the best I've seen, but one of the best I've well, seen. Well, they didn't in have years. one last year, and the one before that, where um, Pete Alonso won that one, I think it was in Miami. I, I would say one of the best I've seen probably ten years, like in a minute, minute, not okay. like in recent years. Well, like, I saw that you know the famous Josh Hamilton one where he went off. Um, and I think that was at Yankee Stadium. But, I mean, when I'm looking at it and I'm like, you're not competing against Judge. You're not competing against, you know, um, what's Stanton. It? Stanton. Mm-hmm. You know, like the some, of, some, of, some of the sluggers. You Vlad know? Jr. wasn't in it. So I, there's just guys that wasn't there that I'm like, eh. you know, It kind of dilutes it a bit. But, yeah. but I, mean, I mean, I'm looking at them thinking – he did as good as any of them guys would have done. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I didn't really think that it was like meant less, but I would have liked to see some of those guys compete. Yeah, it's but, like when you're watching the dunk contest and you're like, why won't such a, like LeBron has never done a dunk contest. That's just. <laughs> maybe he doesn't see himself as a dunk contest dunker. That, I don't even care. It's just like, man, think about it. What all time great did you know? With LeBron's type of athleticism that wasn't in the dunk contest at least one time. Yeah, it's a different era now. It's just a different era. You know, they were asking Ja about him being in the dunk contest. And you know he wants to. He hasn't competed yet. I just miss guys with that Vince Carter type mentality. Like, we're going to get in here and show out. How many years ago did Vince do that? That was, that was in 2000. Exactly. I rest my case. Well, a lot of people try to blame Vince for ruining the dunk contest because of that dunk contest. How did he ruin it? He's because he was so ridiculous that they say that he made no superstars ever want to do it no more. Okay. Okay. Which I absolutely, if anything, it should inspire them to do it. Absolutely. If you're a superstar, that should inspire you. So anybody who's saying that just has a loser's mentality. Because that's not how masculinity thinks. Come on, man. Well, I tell you who is going to be <laughs> in a dunk contest in the future that's in the draft this year. Keon Johnson. Oh, yeah. Oh, that nigga jumping out the gym. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to see him go up against like Zion and like, uh, who's that other dude that be jumping out the gym that we like? I want to, oh, I got to see De'Aaron Fox in the dunk contest. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I got to see him. Because he that boy be doing stuff in the game that should be in the dunk contest. He's unbelievable. Best athlete in the NBA. I said it. He's got the most speed, hops, quickness. The boy's bad. So anyway, that's that's that. Um, on the game, did you ever answer? That's you somebody. Answered. That's somebody else who should have been all NBA. Oh well. I, that was part of he was on the list. Oh, he was on your list? Yes. De'Aaron okay. Fox, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. We're both on the list. Yeah, I'm on the fence. Yeah, Donovan should at least be 13, if nothing else. At least 13. Thank you. At least. What about De'Aaron? Yeah, he should be he should be 13 too. So come on. If not second. 
But so, yeah, he should be on there. Though there were, I mean, it's going to be that every year. You know, some of the guys I just didn't understand. Like I said, because Jimmy Butler. Nah, he wasn't all NBA last season. No, not at all. No, not at all. And Mother Hump, Rudy freaking Gobert. Jimmy Butler wasn't even the best player on his team last no. year, and he ain't gonna be going forward. It, uh-uh. No, they got That was just embarrassing. You know, so I mean, I, I've, I've, I've had, you've had enough of that tirade on and off the air. So, was there anything else we was gonna address today? Yes, you never said who's gonna win Game Four. Oh. Oh, I think, um, well, it depends. If Scott Foster is not officiating, I say that Phoenix's backcourt bounces back this game. They can't play worse. And, well, they they won't Chris have, Paul was fine. You can't play five on eight. Like, no. they started out great, but once they knew psychologically that they were going to be taking out the game, they just basically conceded. Yeah. And just said, well, we'll just hope for better, you know, next game. Mm-hmm. And, um... I can't imagine that the league would allow that, but they may. Yeah, to me, that's going to be the most interesting. Anytime you care who the officiating crew is, that's a problem. It's, it, officiating has got so bad, Dad, that I know the who the officials are. Now. Exactly. Like we, because we know who the good ones are. Yeah. But like seven or eight of them. So the rest of the guys are. You can throw them out. It's just, it is an issue they absolutely positively have to put on the top of their priority list. Smuggling some of these international officials. It's Because they are ridiculous. doing a much better job officiating. Now, the rules are a bit different yeah. in international play, but which actually makes it a little bit easier to officiate because mm-hmm. there's less violations, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And there's more live ball play, yeah, which makes the game more compelling and more... And, and should give greater athleticism a leg up, which is another reason why I can't understand why the American team isn't excelling. Well, this is the thing I'll say about this. It, long, it's been a long history of people advocating for the NBA to convert to international rules. And I think, I think it would benefit the game. The game would benefit from going to international rules on a, on a number of different levels. Agreed. You know, because we don't get anything. We don't get more quality. Quantity is never better than quality. Nope. You play 40 minutes international rules. And like you said, the the um, the absence of restrictions when it comes to a, a lot of different things. Even the the, um, the way that the um, the key. Yes. You know, and, and the way they approach goaltending. Yes. Every, you know, it really is. These a lot are things, more live ball plays. Yeah. These are things that promote the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. And when I say the integrity of the game, I mean the way the game is played. But the NBA is not about that. They're about promoting their agenda. Yeah, they're about distorting the game to to promote a certain agenda, and that's never a good never a good deal because it's always short sighted. It's always short sighted and 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 and, and ill intentioned. Agreed. All right, so that's all I got for today, B. I'm just looking forward to Game Four. We'll see what happens, especially with this, with the way the officiating. Uh, I got Phoenix. You want to do our usual bet, or do you feel how I feel? Oh yeah, I want Phoenix. I, I thought they would sweep them, so I'm definitely going Phoenix. And it looks like you know what we said initially: five games is it. 